0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 131. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. As you guys are listening to this, I am probably just coming back from Austin, Texas. I'm recording this introduction right before I head out to Austin so that I can hang out with my brother and friends and get some new photos taken. But as you're listening to this, I have probably returned. My hope is that I, if everything goes as planned in the next coming days, will have a vlog for you soon showing what that adventure was like. But now let's move on to today's episode. Today we're speaking with Gary Vaynerchuk. This is one of the most special guests I can say that I've ever gotten to interview. I can't believe that I got a half hour of Gary's time. I've been following Gary myself since 2009 when I started my own blog, and I've looked up to him ever since. It's been amazing to watch his career unfold He's done many things over the years, including Wine Library, growing his family's wine business in New Jersey to, I think, something like $50 million or something crazy, and then his YouTube channel, Wine Library TV, which is when I found Gary. That's what he was doing back in the day, which were really fun, irreverent wine-tasting videos on YouTube. Since then, he's transitioned. He's written four New York Times bestselling books, including his new book, which we're speaking about today. Hashtag ask Gary V. Andy has Vayner Media with his brother AJ, which is a digital marketing and strategy firm, which is apparently around $100 million at this point. Gary's ultimate dream is to own the New York Jets one day. And so all of these things have been the stepping stones along his path to get there. This episode is going to be interesting, and Gary's whole story in general is very interesting. So for everyone that's listening, especially if you're just hearing about Gary for the first time right now, Please know that you know, we're not here to say that Gary's way of living his life is you know, the same values that everyone else has, but I can say it is fascinating to see how Gary does live his uppercase V values in such an amazing way, given what is most important to him. And even though we may have different values in our own lives and our lives will look different as a result, it is truly inspiring to see what he has been able to accomplish around what his values actually are. He's also gonna stress self-awareness and talk about how we can figure out what our uppercase V values are based on our own situation. And one of my very favorite things we got to discuss is hustling. Gary is known for hustling. He's probably one of the people that works the hardest in the business space that I can even imagine, often doing 15 and 16 hour days. But I don't think that's right for everyone. And it was fun to get to talk to Gary about that because as much as he does promote and share this message of hustle, At the same time, he's very aware that it's not the right fit for everyone. So it's really fun to dive into that aspect as well. Let's go to the show. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dive right in. So, first of all, I know you're really big on clouds and dirt. I'd love to hear what those terms mean to you and how you use them in your personal life.
1: So, the clouds and dirt thesis is something that I've been thinking a lot about. It's kind of like, the religion and the church servant, right? It's kind of, it's the top line thesis that drives you and then being able to actually do it day in and day out. So, you know, for me, it's about, living a true entrepreneur life and, and knowing that being an entrepreneur makes me happy and you know being motivational and putting out content around entrepreneurship and building actual businesses. But then the dirt is the actual practitionership. Just I think what you know in life is so many people talk it, but they don't live it. And for example, I'm a big believer that social media is the current stage of communication and I'm proud that I understand how Snapchat and Musical.ly and Anchor and the latest updates on Instagram and Facebook work, right? It's the details, so the dirt is being able to do it. It's like being an architect and a mason or a general contractor. It's having the skills both philosophically and high level but also having the humility and the skill set to actually deploy it in the trenches.
0: I call the clouds values or uppercase V values, which I know you're very tied to. How do you use these clouds and dirt in your actual life with Lizzie and the kids?
1: You know, theoretically, at the highest levels, I think about what I want to provide to them emotionally. I don't think about financially. I don't go the cliche way of like, oh, I've built, you know, big businesses and it's, you know, I don't think families need that much money. I think it's more about the emotional aspects. You know, who do I want to be as a dad? How do I want to be as a, you know, I think my professional career is more like a north star that I'm not worried if my kids want to climb or not. It's up to them. It's a theoretical role model kind of play, but I think at the highest religious level, capital V values, I want to be a good guy. I want to be someone that they can talk to. I want to make sure they're proud of my actions. I want to be able to respond to their needs. I think with the level of hustle that I deploy, you know, I'm in constant communication with my wife about work-life balance and then, you know, the kids are now 6 and 3 and I'm going to have to be mentally prepared and I'm starting to get myself mentally prepared to have conversations with them about work-life balance. I've been very fortunate in that I'm in a place where I'm able to go to most things if I'm in New York, but obviously right now I'm traveling and if there's a school function I won't be there and so I want to uh, make sure I'm there for them. And then the dirt of that is just actually executing on that intent. And I think the most important and best way I'm doing that is in the time that I'm actually with them, I want to make sure it's quality. And I don't mean big trips or cool things. I mean, you know, not being on my phone and not working social media. You know, my Snapchat stories, Jess, are much quieter on the weekend than they are the other five days a week. And so it's, it's executing on that family first mentality.
0: What do you actually cut out that's not the clouds and the dirt? Because I know you're really big on cutting and eliminating everything that's not those big values or that execution of those values.
1: Well, basically, I do nothing in my life besides my family time, my work, and the New York Jets. Like, literally nothing. So I guess media consumption, leisure. I've probably had to cut out friends more than I'd like. It's something I'm probably giving a lot of thought to recently, but... uh. That's been at the expense of my ambition. You know, obviously the closest inner circle friends I have time for, but not even enough. There's not much I do outside of those kind of three pillars. The Jets take up time, that's my escapism, that's my kind of passion outside of my work. And uh, that's it. I mean, like, you know, it is, there's just no time for reading books or TV shows. There's no house of cards, there's no video games, there's no being on the softball team. I've really cut everything out. I mean, I exercise now. I spend time with my family. I work a ton and the Jets, and that's pretty much it. Every leisure and kind of second tier thing has been cut to zero over the last three or four years.
0: Yeah, and that's because you have that very intense, famous work ethic. And actually, I was just on Smart Passive Income recently talking about you and how There's a lot of people out there in the online business space talking about hustle and how important that is. But I wonder how much that has to do with personality type and whether that's being shared to a lot of people who would just get incredibly stressed out trying to actually live a life that's similar to the hustle mentality that's being pushed out there. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think self-awareness really matters here. I recognized early on in my mid-teens that my work ethic around things I liked was stronger than others. Getting ready for baseball card shows, my friends would fall asleep, and I would go for another four hours to like two, three in the morning, and then wake up at six and drive to the mall and set up. If I loved it, there was unlimited energy that I could deploy against it, and my work ethic... You know, kind of in in athletes they call it a motor, right? Can you still go after the quarterback? Can you run up and down the field 100 times longer uh, down the court than other people? My business motor is much stronger than my contemporaries and I've tripled down on that. That is a natural skill that I don't think most people should work 15 or 17 hours a day. And I can do it without eating or drinking. Like I'm pretty robotic about this, Jeff. And it's just it's a recognized skill in the same way that somebody may recognize that they're smarter or more charismatic or more efficient or more organized. Mine is absolutely that I will outwork every single person that's listening to this. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And I've tripled down on that because that's a differentiator and that's a competitive advantage for me.
0: It is. Do you think, though, that it's not you specifically, but just this idea of hustle in general is Sending out a bill of goods, it's not actually useful for the vast majority of people that are trying to apply and stressing themselves out.
1: Just, I would say that's all advice. Like, all advice is actually not useful to most people. I mean, we have an entire universe of people giving advice that doesn't bring value. Like, I always say the advice that I give, I have no interest in anybody following it. I just want people to know look, you're not going to build billion dollar, hundred million dollar, ten million dollar businesses on the secret, or because you want it, or because you're following motivational Instagram accounts, right? I'm just showing the behind the scenes in Daily V, for example. Jess, have you seen the
0: Daily V vlog? It's been fantastic to watch.
1: Thank you. And that, for me, that's given an opportunity to just really, you know, eliminate any curiosity if I'm just pushing hustle and not actually doing it. I think it is really detrimental when you're pushing stuff that's not true. And I think there's a lot of people doing that in the online space and in life. So I think that's detrimental. But look, you know, telling me to read a lot is detrimental because I'm not good at it. And like, I don't think that that is bad advice. I just think it's bad advice for Gary Vaynerchuk. And if I think, If the people that are listening now don't realize that self-awareness is the North Star in this whole equation, that you take bits and pieces from everybody and decide what's right for you, that's the game, not blindly taking somebody's advice or conventional wisdom that's accepted. I mean, you know, you don't have to be on social media. If you can achieve uh, your goals and, and be happy in life without it, knock yourself out. I don't care, the world doesn't care, the market doesn't care, so that's how I think about advice. It's nice for the people that authentically give it and believe in it. I feel like I'm one of those people. But I think it's like it's up to the person on the other side to know themselves to understand what brings them value and what doesn't.
0: And I love the subject of self awareness. And I love that you're diving into this so much in your message lately. So, one of the things you believe is that we've gone too far. And I agree with you on the direction of everyone is an entrepreneur or can be if they try hard enough. So, in the vein of self awareness, how can people figure out if it's a good fit versus the imposter syndrome?
1: Again, I think it's super important to understand if you do not know yourself, Jess, you have no shot. I believe that self-awareness is the single most important thing for a human being to have because, and follow this Jess, I think you'll like this, it allows them to be happy with themselves. Now that I'm in tune with myself, I'm not disappointed in my shortcomings. I've accepted them and I navigate around them and then I'm happy and then I'm able to bring value to others. I think that it's bigger than just even the way we're talking about it. I think people really need to take a step back and really go down this path. And I'm not gonna claim that I know how to teach growth and self-awareness, because I do not. But I do think it comes from listening. It's funny, I would tell you that empathy is the other thing that's very much on my mind. I use empathy every day. For example, I also did homework to try to understand your audience, and I'm like, look, I have to bring value to this interview. This isn't about my book or me you know, I think the reason I've done well on stage and in interviews is I'm only trying to deploy value to the people that are listening right now. That is in my best interest because it starts with their best interest. And so I think it's about listening. And so I feel prepared for this interview because I listened. I did some homework myself. And I think that people need to start asking the people that are closest to them for honest truths if they feel like they're tone deaf with themselves.
0: So asking people around them if they are the right fit for entrepreneurship?
1: I think so. I also think track record, Jess. Entrepreneurship has become this hot new thing. Like if you weren't businessy in your first 18 years, you don't get to just be an entrepreneur because there was a Mark Zuckerberg movie and it seems like the cool thing to do.
0: I think there's two pieces to this, though. What about those, as you say, that have the 68 out of 100? Maybe they didn't start when they were 18 or 12, but they can still create a life that is meaningful to them and a career that has some success there.
1: Yes, this goes back, and I'm glad you poked me on this because there is a second part that I often, believe it or not, forget to add, which I think is probably more important, which is, look, if you make 87000 a year being an accountant, but you make 64000 selling jam online and creating jamdaily.com where you literally talk about making homemade jam and you take your phone and you go to pumpkin picking and you make pumpkin jam, that's a really interesting debate that needs to start being talked about the amount of people, because notice just how I'm structuring this. There's this conventional wisdom of, hey, don't be a lawyer and make 100, be an entrepreneur and make 200,000 a year. Or even worse, be an entrepreneur and make millions a year. right? This notion that everybody's gonna build a million dollar business is ludicrous. What I'm saying is, can we have the practical conversation? Can we have the conversation that 85% of the people that are listening to this right now are literally going to a job tomorrow morning that they're not excited about? And my question is, would you take a 20% pay cut, have a smaller television, have four less dresses, have six less sneakers, go to one less football game to be way happier and start you probably on a process that eventually in a five to 10 year window will make you more money, not less. I think the answer is yes. And so there's a practicality around entrepreneurs that aren't intended to be all-time great entrepreneurs and build billion-dollar businesses, but that are people that can build a $118,000 a year salary for themselves around their fundamental passion.
0: Yeah, and I think that's my audience to the core is the people that are not trying to necessarily be the next Facebook. They're just trying to create lives that have alignment with their values.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for your audience then that I think everybody should really debate is enough with this, you're gonna make more. What about making less but being way happier? That's a real conversation that needs to be had.
0: I love that. Actually, something that we've spoken about in different episodes here on the show is one woman, for example, taking a step back to intentionally be average in her career so she can be an excellent mother in the ways that she wanted, because time's the precious commodity in both of those things. And she really wanted to make sure she was doubling down on her family in the formative years of her children. You know, I get it. I
1: mean, I think that that's incredible and God bless her. And I think that there's a ton of different versions of that. It was the main theme of Crush It, my first book. You know, there's so much that you could be doing from seven to two in the morning that can actually make all of this practical, or you just do a cold turkey. I mean, I often told people get a job at 7 Eleven or Macy's or anywhere where you can just make 45, 50K on your own terms and nobody's giving a crap and you're just kind of standing there, be a night guard so that you can work on your phone the whole time. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it if you are motivated.
0: I see. So one of the things that you are huge on is following your intuition. And this is one of the biggest messages that I am trying to help people tap into more. So I'd love to hear, how do you tap into your intuition in your own life and tell it apart from your ego?
1: The ego thing is, you know, I think, I feel like they're very, very, very different. So We struggle with teaching EQ, emotional intelligence, because I don't fully understand how to. It's hard for me to say to somebody, like, hey, I've always had this voice in my head since I was six years old, and it's often very right, so I go with it. You know, like, what do I say to Rick in Ohio, right? Like, hey, Rick, start listening to your voice, right? That's tough, but my intuition is a major part of my life, I'm sure we all have voices in our heads. Some are positive, some unfortunately are negative. I am a person that believes in gut calls. I would say this, this has been the closest that I've been able to help people with. I don't dwell or look back. And that allows me to feel very comfortable in betting on my intuition. When you are not in the spilled milk business, when you are not in the oh crap, but I could have done this instead business, you're a much happier person. So I actually think one of the things that holds people back from believing in their intuition is the Monday morning quarterbacking or the dwelling on the other things that could have been. And because I don't have that gear, it allows me to go full throttle on my intuition.
0: Cause the intuition is often telling us to do something that's uncertain. We don't know what the outcome will be. So when you're saying the Monday morning quarterback's gonna sit there and say, I told you so, and it's trying to avoid any of those uncertainties that may be negative. So that keeps us stuck not doing what our intuition is leading us to do because we don't know what the outcome's actually gonna be from following it.
1: The problem for me that really pisses me off is that people have accepted that the alternative on paper is more guaranteed. I mean, the thought that anything is guaranteed is ludicrous. Let me give you an example. You're now listening to us. You're getting motivated. You've been listening to Jess. I'm a new voice on this energy and you're, you, something's clicking for you right now and you're 44 and you have a mortgage and blah, 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 blah and you wanna go and do your thing. Let's just play real life for a minute. So you decide to quit and start your business. Now let's play it out in a weird way. Over the next 48 months, you fail. You actually go into debt, credit card debt. Your business didn't work. And now you're mad that you did this. In four years, you get another job. You start paying it off. And you took your shot. So you feel good about that. But it didn't work. What if I told you that I was able to tell you what the other outcome would have been? And what if I told you that seven days later into your other job that you left, you would have died in a car accident on the way to work? Like this thought that, Everything is so like that there's an alternative to unpredictability is ludicrous. Jess, the story I just told would make Bob mad that he listened to Jess and Gary and he lost on his journey. What Bob doesn't know is a piano would have landed on his car seven days later if he was going to that office and he wouldn't be on earth.
0: That's a great point. We don't look at the downside of actually staying in the quote unquote perceived safe zone. That's exactly right. This notion that anything
1: is safe is ludicrous. Safe to what? Safe that you know you have a paycheck? That's not safe. That's not life. You know, I think that we need to level up our thinking a little bit. You know, I'll tell you why I'm so courageous in business and completely and utterly never scared because I know how little it really matters. (laughs) Jess, you know, I can make tens of millions of dollars a year. That's great. But if my, you know, if somebody in my family gets sick or dies, I'm not happy. You know what I mean? And so I think if people actually put things into perspective, They'd win. And, and I wish people knew me in my 20s when I was making $30,000 a year or when my family was poor when we came from Russia. We're not happier now because we have more money. I always think people, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about what the other person's thinking now and they're saying, yeah, easy for you to say. Cool, fine. But there's enormous research around people that happiness factor outside the US and developed countries of how happy they are. Like life is much more complicated than I think we're giving credit for. And so I would say, if you're listening right now and you've never taken a real chance, let me get real practical with you. Give me your 7 p.m. to two in the morning. Just give me that, give me that for an entire year. Build an online thing, buy stuff on eBay, resell it on Amazon, which is the best arbitrage to make quick money in the world right now, it's unbelievable. Start a blog and a podcast and a Instagram account around rock and roll because that's your interest. I'm not asking you to leave your job. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to give me 7 p.m. to 2 in the morning. No more The Voice. No more Call of Duty. No more Monday Night Football. Like one year of trying to build something around something you give a crap about and seeing what happens. That's it. It's much more practical than people think, Jess.
0: You're pretty much famous for making D's and F's in high school, but your best subject besides gym was history. Do you think history is your best subject because it aligns with your strength for understanding cultural trends now? Jess,
1: you know, I've been interviewed a thousand times every year for the last nine years, and you were the first person to ever make this connection. And it is 100% true.
0: That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super
1: pumped with you right now. I wish everybody was watching. I wish this was a video show because I have a smile ear to ear. That's exactly right. I think one of the reasons I'm very good is I understand that history always repeats itself and I make a lot of my assumptions and things that have made me successful. So right now, I know that social media matters because I know the telephone is becoming the television and the television's becoming the radio. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah, you've really got me pegged. I think that I am fascinated by what has happened before us because I think it's a great indicator to what's gonna happen in the future.
0: What would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey?
1: Patience. You know, if you're 55 years old, you're probably are going to live another 40 years. So I have no idea like why you think you're done or you don't have time. If you're 22, you don't be a life coach and try to make a quick buck on somebody and scamming them and, and bullshitting what you actually know. You've got nothing but time. I think patience is a stunningly important thing. And it's hard to be patient when you're down, when you don't have what you want, but you know, if you can balance your patience with your ambition and pull equally from both directions, you can really win.
0: Awesome. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Jess, thanks for having me.
0: And there you have it. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to send Gary a message, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at Gary V, and that's V-E-E. Of course, you can also pick up his new book, hashtag ask Gary V, wherever books are sold. And you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at Jess C as in Clouds and Dirt Lively. For show notes for today's episode, you can hop over to JessLively.com slash Gary Vaynerchuk. And for anyone listening and wondering how to spell Vaynerchuk, it's V-A-Y-N-E-R-C-H-U-K. Before I share who's coming up next week on the show, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. You guys have heard me say it before, and I will say it again, I love using FreshBooks, and I'm so grateful that they're a sponsor here on the show because I've been raving about it for all the four years that I've been using it myself before this point, and I cannot tell you how simple, fun, practical, functional, all the good things that bookkeeping really deserves to be. It has done so well in FreshBooks. If you don't have any inventory to track, please go give it a shot. I truly believe it's just the best. It's like Facebook for bookkeeping. You can do so by going over to freshbooks.com backslash lively for a free 30-day trial to see what I'm talking about. Again, that's freshbooks.com backslash lively. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, we're having Barrett Brooks of fizzle.co on the show. Barrett has become a friend of mine since I have come out to Portland, but in our conversations leading up to my Fizzle interview in Portland, I learned about a situation he recently dealt with where he was not enjoying his career and thought it was time for him to make a shift. But before he made the shift, he took several important actions to figure out what was really going on before taking an action that may have not produced the results he was really looking for. I think this episode is one of the most important episodes on career we have ever done on The Lively Show, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today.